computer. Lego Batman here. Play Podcast PD. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you'll have more fun with Stacey Lindis, Chris Nessie, and me, AJ Bianco. Hey, thanks for listening and making Podcast PD a part of your professional development. We have a great episode in store for you as we're going to be bringing on one of our newest friends in the PPD neighborhood, Bowtie Joe, and we're going to be talking about getting your doctorate. But first, let's meet my co-host for this episode. As always, to my left or right, depending on how the Google Hangout is treating us, welcome aboard, Stacy Lindis. Hey, Chris. How are you? I am doing well, Stacy. It is the day after Ed Camp, New Jersey Encore, as we record this episode. You were not able to be there, but that's okay because you were doing what? I was at a sporting event, which is completely abnormal, but I went to a Philadelphia Flyers game and it was Flyers versus Devils. So super exciting. And the stadium was full because you draw a crowd from both both teams when it's that local. And um, it was the boys' first hockey game. It's probably my second or third. And it's one of the sporting events that I enjoy the most because the action is pretty much nonstop. And the rules kind of make sense. Nice. And speaking of nonstop action, let's welcome Mr. Heyo himself, AJ Bianco. How you doing, buddy? I'm just wondering why I get the uh, nonstop action. I just like the heyo. I guess you wanted me to do the heyo. I love the heyo. Hey guys, yeah, things are. Uh, look, I'll be honest, things are awful here. Okay, it's what, what is today? T- come on now, today is Sunday, the twenty first of January. I had a wonderful morning. I had coffee to you. I get home. I play with my boys. Three o'clock rolls around. Four o'clock rolls around. I'm happy. I'm living on cloud nine. Five o'clock comes and everything went downhill. What happened at 5 o'clock? The Patriots started winning a football game. Oh, okay. I watched that game. No, no, no. Do not play that music. No, what is that music? I wasn't rooting for them either. This is the worst thing. I can't stand it. I don't even know why I watch football anymore. The Jets are terrible. The Patriots always win. Wait, the Jets are your team? How long have you known me? Like, seriously? Wait, let me write this down. What are your other teams? I'm going to sketch note this later. Okay. I only have my, my I only have my big three. I got the Jets. I got the, the Yankees. Yankees. Of I got course, it's the Yankees. And I got I got my Devils, which you just crushed with your intro. Okay, let me just tell you that their goalie was I almost swore it was really bad, and he was just awful. And then they brought it. What? It was a bad game. I know. It was bad. What and then they game? pulled. They put a new goalie in the net, and. uh the kids behind me were like this guy's never played and it came in the nhl and they were like and then all game long they were like that other guy wouldn't be able to do it i can't tell you the goalie's name but it was hysterical just listening to their commentary because they're like college age kids and like totally hysterical you made it sound like they're like 10 year olds talking behind (laughs) you about like 
Oh no, they totally googled they googled the new goalie, the replacement, and then they just sat there and like ripped on the goalie who left yeah. after getting three goals scored on him. It, it was pretty bad. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All I know is the devil's doing better than the Rangers. Life is good in that sense. Pitchers and Again, catchers three weeks away. Pitchers know, and catchers three weeks away. Yes. Wait, is that a baseball reference? I'm totally kidding. <laughs> uh but in, in actuality, I'll be honest with you guys. Things are things are well. Things are well. Good to hear. Things are also doing. It's ten o'clock. Things are also going good here at the House of Ed Tech. So that's exciting. Um, I embarked on a new garage of Ed Tech project today. Pictures coming. Description coming in a future episode. I'm just not ready to disclose it at this time. But I was building something today. Is it something that will be in the house? I did. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. It's bigger than a bread box. <laughs> um, so that concludes the banter portion of today's episode. So let's move into the main topic and bring in our very special and exciting guest. We have with us today future doctor Joe Juba. <laughs> Joe is a passionate fourth-year high school math teacher in New Brunswick, New Jersey, one of my great colleagues, and he works diligently to meet the needs of each individual that crosses his path whether it's an adult or a student. Having been dubbed a quote-unquote millennial or digital native, Joe keeps a steady pulse on the role of technology within education and uses this knowledge to design learning environments that help spark creativity, engage critical thinking, and most importantly, are fun to be a part of, and I've witnessed it. Joe has jumped into the deep end of the connected educator pool, and he has expanded his PLN so that he can learn as much as he can from as many people as he can. Being connected affords him the opportunity to contribute to the organic conversations occurring in the world of education. Welcome to Podcast PD, Joe Juba, Mr. Bowtie Joe. What's up, guys? How's everything going? Everything is still hey, good. St- St- Stacy went to a Flyers game. AJ is... Hates the Patriots. Hates the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty bummed earlier today, too. What did you do before. yesterday, Joe? What was that? What did you do yesterday? I was also at Encore, helping out in any way I could, rocking the dock. I think I've uh, become your successor. <gasps> That's what happens? I miss one ed camp and I'm replaced? Well, I mean, I kind of filled in on ed camp, the main event. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but this dock was <laughs> this dock was able to be created via phone, so it wasn't as stressful. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be honest. I never do the digital piece of a doc or of, you know, the whole board because it's too much for me. And I don't like watching. I don't like people watching me have typos. Oh, no, it was fine. Um, But it was a good good time. I got to say between the two of you, though, what come November this year with Joe rocking the digital and Stacey rocking the post-its, we are going to have one heck of a board. And Brian Costello always does a good job. He's out on injury. He's on injured reserve right now. Yes. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers go out to Brian Costello. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking of you, Brian. <laughs> so, Joe, the reason we brought you here today is obviously indicative of the title of the episode. So we want you to talk about the beginnings of your doctoral experience and aside. Besides being a, a friend of ours, 
uh, and you know, a colleague of mine, you recently wrote a blog post that was really simply titled and really a great piece of writing called Why You Should Get Your Doctorate. So tell us a little bit about what made you want to go for a doctorate and kind of where you're at in the process. And hey, the floor is yours. Um, so the reason I decided to pursue a doctorate was I genuinely miss being a student. Um, I was doing, when we first met, you know, I guess, and I don't even guess, you definitely recognized the, um, my inability to, I guess, uh, satiate myself based on all that knowledge. And then you got me connected on Twitter and I'm reading like all these articles and me and you were having a great conversation, but, um, it was hard to find that conversation elsewhere. Um, so I figured, you know, why not go back to school? Um, things were, I, you know, paid off my loans from when I was younger or my, uh, undergrad and my master's. So the time was just right. Um, applied just to see what happened. You know, if I got in great, um, and if I didn't, no big deal. Um, but I really just genuinely missed being a student sitting in a classroom, engaging conversation, um, having work to do, um, even though that sounds weird and, just continuing what I was doing, but I guess having something tangible at the end of it. Um, but that was, the, what was the other part of the question? You have to add that part. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about your, uh, your blog post. Why blog you post, that's it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, my blog post, uh, it was, it took me a while to write. It probably took me longer than I spent on most of my papers. Um, but basically I guess my, you know, my, my top three, my top four talking points from the article, you know, knowledge communities, which are what we have right now, you know, this organic, um, this organic conversation that's occurring, um, no titles, no anything. We're just talking shop about education and those that exists. I, I feel you know, automatically within a doctoral program um, or any like um, post postback program, just because the, the P when you're going for a postback, it's because you're choosing to go for it. You know, many of us, you know, when we pursue a college degree, you know, you kind of like need the bachelor's. So even, you know, when I was at that age, taking my education courses, I probably didn't take them as seriously as I should have. So because I was like, I need to get these done because I need my bachelor's degree. But, you know, as soon as I pursued my master's and now my doctorate, I mean, everybody in this doctorate program, you know, we have a massive 40 person knowledge community. And then within that, you know, we have, I would probably say six to eight mini knowledge communities based on, you know, our, our individual concentrations, teacher leadership, ed culture society, all those, um, in addition to those of us that work in urban districts and those of us that work in secondary schools and higher ed and, you know, elementary, and then those of us that just mix and mingle by nature. Um, you know, getting connected, I, I think that's something that you really showed me the value of. Um, and the weird thing was when someone was like, you're Bowtie Joe on Twitter. And I was like, no one knows who I am. So how do you? And they're like, oh, I just randomly like followed you one day. And I was like, this is crazy. Um, and, you know, me and her, started we created a hashtag for our doctoral program so that way hopefully when we all 
graduate within the next three to five years, we can look back and journey from when we started, you know, making like our initial posts and doing things together to the end of the journey when we actually put together a, a finished project, a finished product. Um, I guess the, the, the biggest impact for me, at least, I mean, this is my, I just started my third semester, but the, the amount of reading and conversations that I've been forced to do and just had by nature, um, my teaching strategies or my ability to just freestyle is just astronomical or be aware of the, the impact of like everything that's going on. You know, I teach math. So it's very, I feel like math is one of those subjects that's kind of like locked in, you know, you have, you know, algebra, geometry, algebra too, but with history, you know, you have like the world at your fingertips, you know, you got a current event going on, boom, bring that right in. But a math, I mean, can't be, I can, but I mean, I, I'm straying from the curriculum, but now with the conversations I'm having with people and hearing how people do things in their building and not even within you know, within the classroom, but like within, you know, the building itself, whether it be like supporting teachers or running a PD session or little nuances that support the students. Um, it's just our love for sports. Um, it's just PEDs, uh, not performance enhancing drugs, but pedagogically enhanced decisions. Um, and lastly, um, you know, you know, we work in New Brunswick and I'm a class advisor there um, with Infante and we don't have the uh, greatest graduation rate in the world. It's not abysmal, but it's, it can always get better. Um, but I'm looking to finish my program in 2020 and that's the class I'm advising. So at the end of last uh, school year, when they were still freshmen and we had gotten accepted and we were about to begin, you know, we told them, Hey, we start class on Tuesday. Um, and we'd show them like, we're joining the class of 2020 you know, there's, let's say there's 500 of you. Well, now there's 502 and we're committing to graduation, uh, graduating on time. Um, so we hope that you guys hold us to that standard and also hold yourself to that same standard. So being a role model for them and also for my younger brother, cause, um, he's a junior in high school. He's starting to embark on the entire college journey and kind of put a lot of pressure on myself, but, um, to be a role model for him. So kind of this, um, this is kind of like showing him that, um, you know, no matter what your circumstances were when you're younger, that doesn't limit what your, your ceiling is per se. That answers your question. <laughs> no, Joe, I think that's all really well said. Well put. Uh, I read your post and when I read it, I was just, I really just enjoyed everything that you put together. And, and I think the role model part of it was really what hit me the most. And I really appreciated your words. I'm not going to give it away too much you know I'll let the the fans check out that blog post it'll be linked in our show notes but you know reading that and the, the role model part really just stands out and i really appreciate that you put yourself out there like that and, and you shared that part of your story um so for our listeners just real quick tell us a couple of things what are you getting your doctoral or your doctorate what are you getting your doctorate in what classes have you taken so far and what, what stands out the most two years in? Um, I mean, my doctorate in education, my concentration is specifically teacher leadership. I had initially entered the program um, 
in the design and learning environments concentration. Um, and I love what goes on within the classroom. But as I've progressed through my career, I've definitely seen myself more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? More looking for more opportunities to support teachers that would enhance um, what's going on in the classroom or within the building in general. Um, the classes I've taken, I've taken leadership one, inquiry one, um, t- uh, teacher leadership, intro to teacher leadership, um, social context one, and learning one. And the two courses that have really stuck out to me were social context. We talked about everything from race to gender roles to inequalities and inequities that still exist within education nowadays. Um, so that was, and my professor just had so much passion, um, which definitely led to great discussion. And within teacher leadership, uh, teacher leadership is such a broad, a broad topic. So, I mean, each week we were talking about, you know, what it meant to devalue your expertise and the, the, the feeling that you need to as a teacher leader when you shouldn't really, um, because, you know, you've been appointed or given that, or people see you as a leader. So you should just own that, um, to where we were talking about, uh, what administrators can do or school organization can do to support teacher leadership and foster that within your building. Um, so that class has given me a lot of ideas for the future. If I ever do embark on that, uh, journey. And what was the last question? Or did I touch on it? Pretty sure you touched on it. I was asking just based on what stands out what to you the most to from those classes. From those. So you're good. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I mean, I could go on for hours. But it's 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 mainly like the, the people too. I mean the cool thing within my smaller concentration, so both those classes, uh social context was actually a cohort class, so that was a big forty percent class. So we had great, great rich conversation. Um but within my teacher leadership course, uh, that's a concentration course. So there was only six of us. So six of us and a professor, and we literally just sat around uh, around a circle, circular table and just broke bread before class started and just had discussion for three hours on education. Like within itself, we formed our own knowledge community. We've got a grade for it too, but that's um, something I can, it was cool. that I can relate to because I mean, as, as I sit here today, I have no desire to to go that far with education i.e going back for a doctorate for me but i remember uh i I remember when i was getting my master's though and you touched on it before was you know that's students who want to be there you know i mean even i think that more undergrads should take the fact that they're going to college more seriously but that's a discussion for another day but when i was getting my master's showing up was something I wanted to do. And those conversations were very engaging, small class size, very intimate. And the conversations and the topics and the, and the networking have lasted and still impact what I do because I'm still connected to those people who were my co-students and, you know, a number of professors that I had, you know, I'm still connected with. And that's something I think is maybe sometimes overlooked, but I'm, so I'm glad that you, brought up that aspect of going back to school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and even this semester I'm taking um, models of PD. Um, 
and we've only had one class so far, but once again, that's my concentration course. We have two um, people from the previous cohort are taking a little bit longer um, to get through their program, but so now we're up to eight plus the professor, but still like yet again, just, you know, we spent the first um, session was just kind of getting to know each other and we just spent three hours talking about what does, what does the words professional development mean? And it was awesome, you know? And definitely something I'm looking forward to taking back to New Brunswick and, you know, challenging those that we work with, Chris, to redefine how what it means and how we do it. It's exciting stuff. Okay, so I have two thoughts on what you said, Joe. Chris, you too. So, Chris, I know you went back recently because you and I were friends when you were going back for your grad school program. Is that right? Yeah, for my master's, I think you maybe know me more from when I went back to do my supervisor stuff, and I really did that last year. And then when did you get your master's? Uh, I got my master's uh, three three or four years ago. So, Joe to and Chris, to that point, like I got my master's, and it's actually what led to my certification 16-plus years ago. No, 16 years ago. We're in our 16th year teaching. So... And I still hang out with those ladies. I see your big eyes. Yes, I am that old. But um, I still hang out with those women who were part of my cohort. You know, a select few of us have attended or been part of each other's weddings, like that type of thing. Like you build those relationships and you have a small enough cohort because you're in an advanced program. I just got my master's and it again, it was a master's towards certification. So it was a bit bigger than even most master's programs, I believe. But, um, you know, when you're working with a group of six people, that's a pretty tight knit group. You're going to have those relationships forever. Oh, and I, I just think that's amazing. I don't, I don't like, I don't like the word old. I prefer seasoned. Whatever. You can spin that however you want, but I saw how big your eyes got and that betrayed you. You're aging like wine. <laughs> Chris is more like milk. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> I've used that joke with him a few times already. <laughs> so I just think that's really amazing. And I'm really excited for the models of PD class that you're taking now. Yeah, me too. Because PD is what um, what I live for and what I do in my district. So we are going to have to have some side conversations sure. about what you're learning. And maybe we'll have you back on the show just to talk about since our whole show is about professional development and personal learning, um, we'll have you back once the course is over and you can share some of the great things that you're learning. No, absolutely. Uh, that would be awesome. Um, and it's crazy too, because when I wrote that post, like I felt confident with what I was talking about. But I remember when I met you and AJ way back in the day, you know, like seven months ago, um, <laughs> at that coffee EDU up in Middlesex County. And you guys were like, so why are you doing the doctorate? And I was like, I just want to be a student. And that's all I had. Um, and, you know, we had like this running joke from our teacher leadership course last semester. Um, our professor was a, or is a superintendent. So like, you know, she still, she understood because we were, we had two supervisors and four teachers. So she was very willing to work with, within our schedules. But um, she always kept saying how like the, it gets easier as you go along and you learn about, you figure out all your mistakes. And I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, the second time we do our doctor, it will be much easier than the first um, <laughs> because it's such like, it's like King to Kai. You go so fast, but you don't reckon, you don't realize in the midst of it, how much you're really learning. So when I sat down and write that blog post, it just was astonishing. 
because I think, like I said, six, seven months ago, you guys had asked me and all I had for you was, I just want to go be a student again. And you guys were like, you're nuts. I remember that conversation. <laughs> I got a porkle. I think AJ got a Taylor ham. I don't even remember what I got. We were at Coffee EDU in the diner, right? Yeah. Yes, we were. That was awesome. And for any non-New Jersey listeners, King Da Ka is a roller coaster at Six Flags Great Adventure. I believe it is the fastest roller coaster in the entire world. And it's so. extremely similar to a doctoral program. It's pretty intense. I will only watch it. Hopefully, I will participate in a doctoral program at some point, but I will only watch that ride. If you go back and get a doctorate, what would you consider getting a doctorate in? So that's part of my problem. And much like Joe, and and I was really excited when you guys told me that this was the topic for tonight's episode. Um, But much like Joe, I just like being a student. I love learning. I live for that kind of information. And it's been a really long time since I've been in a formal classroom because my program ended, like I said, 16 plus years ago. And, um, you know, that was the last formal class I took in a university or college. Um, I've gone back to my alma mater a couple of times to present and work with education students there, but actually attending a classroom is just totally not something I've really, really aided at great length. And so I don't know what my topic would be. I think like Joe, it would probably be something in leadership, something in curriculum development or design or along those realms. I think quite honestly, I would avoid technology because it's so ever evolving that to focus on a program in technology, I think you like, you, I don't know. I just think that there are better things to learn like pedagogy and instruction and, you know, those, those types of things that are ever a little more evergreen than technology. You know, what's cool today in technology will not be cool tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. Absolutely. Just saying. For, so for me, but I, what's I, relevant I in education and, and pedagogy today will hopefully be evergreen. Yeah. My, my reason long. for not wanting to get a doctorate in technology, if it, if I were ever to go for a doctorate would be, I don't want to get a doctorate in something that I could probably teach all the classes in. And yes, I think that highly of myself. Exactly. Yeah. I remember when I was doing my application, but no, I had gotten accepted and I had to fill, fill out like an autobiography and I asked Chris, I'm like, what do I put about like my research interest? So, you know, like I have an interest and uh, I like the idea of flip learning, which I know AJ does. Um, mm-hmm. So that was initially what I had put down, but it, it was more of just an interest and my first professor said, cause you said you were struggling with, you know, you don't know what you would do your research in, um, was to go home and just ask yourself what keeps you up at night? You know, what about education doesn't settle well with you? And for me, that was, you know, the fact that teachers leave almost as fast as they come in the door. Um, and not even teachers, but administrators as well. Um, and I feel like if we don't, we don't stop the hemorrhaging, um, you know, we're never going to be able to create a culture that's positive uh, for the kids. So that's where I completely shifted gears and switched from design of learning environments to um, teacher leadership. So based on that, AJ, what keeps you up at night that you would consider getting a doctorate in? The Patriots winning. 
Stop it. <laughs> football um, theory. <laughs> no, not football theory. Football is not my sport. Baseball. Baseball is my sport. Um, gee, I have no desire to get a doctorate. I have. I mean, no, I'll be honest. Like reading that, reading your blog post, listening to you speak, thinking of the things that it would be good for. Man, it's amazing to go through a program like that and to make those connections. You know, I have two master's degrees. You know, and I, and I think about the fact that my first master's degree was in history because I wanted to know more history when I got my job. Second one is in educational leadership because that's the route I'd like to go. As we're sitting here talking, I'll be honest, I looked up uh, doctoral programs for education. And I'm like, okay, so like curriculum. Okay, maybe. You know, I already have educational leadership. I don't want technology because technology is continuously changing. So I'll have a doctorate and something that's going to be dead tomorrow. Um, there's one here for sports management. But wouldn't want that. But I really think that curriculum would be the way to go or continuous leadership. Like there's got to be something there that's strictly for like instructional leadership or, or something like that. Because if that's the route you're going to go, I'd like to have a focus on, on where I'd like to be and how I can make that positive change in schools. See, now I but agree with you because want to get one. I agree because I would also want to do, if I was going to do it, something that's based in curriculum because designing curriculum and, you know, course design and instructional design, I think that's the catch all where with that knowledge and that coursework, somebody could bring in their other passions in education. So for me, I could bring in technology and, you know, take curriculum creation and course design and, you know, a, a scope and a sequence for an area of instruction and really kind of go even further with it. So I, I think that's where, where I would go. I completely agree. Yep. Ditto that. Although leadership, Joe, is really... I think at the forefront of a lot of a lot of people's attention. Um, I just feel like people are getting those degrees, whether it's, um, you know, a super advanced degree, like a doctorate or, you know, a certificate in leadership that, you know, gives them the credentials that their district might require for a coaching position or in um, instructional coaching, not, you know, coaching. AJ brought up the whole sports management. That's kind of intriguing. Um, but you know, those, those instructional coaching positions or tech coaching positions, like I have, you know, my district, very fortunate for me, does not require that type of leadership certificate, but I know more and more programs are popping up because more and more schools are looking into that particular, that particular credential for positions that they are creating or are hoping to create in the future. You know, I completely hear you, um, and stay tuned there will be a blog post on why you shouldn't apply to a doctorate program um, as spurned by a conversation with Chris. Um, but as you know, if I was like, you know, the leader of an organization, that's something that you definitely have to be cognizant of because I do feel like there are a lot of people, there, there are programs out there that are just churning out the DR um, and you know, the people with, with the DR in front of their name aren't really, contributing much or demonstrating this, that they're an expert in some facet of education. Um, you know, so as, 
as the head honcho, you definitely need to be aware of that. And, you know, when you're vetting this candidate, you have to be cognizant that, the, you know, the DR could could have come. You know, I, I can brag about Rutgers, and I'm definitely getting my butt handed to me. So I definitely know that I'll know my stuff when I get out of the program. Um, but, you know, I've had conversations with a lot of people now that have a DR in front of their name. And some people, I'm like, wow, you really know your stuff. And I'm like, wow, where did you get your degree from? Um, so I hear you, but, um, the big, the big focus in my program, it's weird. I'm, I'm considered the misfit. I'm the only one in my program that's not doing like what everyone else is doing. Um, what do you mean? So my focus is on teacher attrition and retention, but a lot of people in my program, um, have like a very social justice, um, mindset. So a lot of them are looking at, um, queer theory and critical race theory and figured worlds. Um, and when it comes to like group projects, they're like, all right, get into groups with people that, you know, are interested in the same topic as you. And I'm always like, I have no one. Uh, but there but, are only six of you. Well, that's within my con- concentration. But we have like, we don't have group projects for the concentration courses because there are only six of us. But for like our doc, like our cohort course, which is 40 of us. Gotcha. That's, yeah. So um, last week they were like, all right, we're going to do like a group research synthesis. So like find a, a professor in the GSE that you want to like read some of their articles and come up with something that applies to you. And no one, there's one person in the GSE that kind, they don't even really look at what I'm trying to look at, but they kind of, I can work it. Um, so I went to the professor and I was like, I don't have anybody. She was like, uh, just make it happen. I was like, all right, we'll do this. But um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um I think the ed admin people, because there's four concentrations uh, and the educational administration concentration, there's like four of those people and they're looking at more of like leadership research. So I'll probably wind up just linking with them. But even the people within my program, they're looking at, you know, supporting um, teachers through PD for culturally relevant pedagogy and uh, queer theory and um the culture of pedagogy is a, is a big one, though, tied with uh, critical race theory. So it's interesting. All right, Joe, let me, let me ask you this. Are there people who are getting their doctorates and writing their dissertations on topics that they think people just want to hear? Or that's like the hot topic, you know, but it really seems like you're pursuing something you're truly interested in. Do you think these people, all of them, are truly interested in, let's say, social justice, for example? I... I think it depends on who you are as a person. For me, I know that in three years when I put, you know, my Bowtie Joe signature on the bottom of that dissertation, you know, that that embodies who I am and that's going to be an extension of myself. And I'm going to walk around with the, the DR in front of my name um, with pride. You know, I'm going to carry it with a lot of weight. Um, and that came kind of from my professor last semester, the superintendent, who spoke of what it meant to her when she finished the program and you know the the GSE gives you like these mementos where you know uh you get like this um this glass apple that has like scholarly practitioner um embellished into it but then you know and it exists within my cohort there are people that are definitely doing this for a career move which to me isn't necessarily um the right motivation because the program can be overwhelming. And, you know, when you think about it, you're like, ah, I don't know if this is really worth it. I could probably get that, that jump or that, that gig another way. 
So I think it really does depend on who you are as a person and, and what your reasons are for even pursuing the degree. No, I, th- I think that's fair. I think there's only one more thing that Joe needs to be asked. So what started the bow tie? <laughs> the all important question. That cackle. <laughs> <laughs> if you know me, you know I'm kind of just out there, just kind of like do my own thing. But um, I went to New Brunswick when I interviewed for the job in salmon pink pants and a navy blue shirt. Because my philosophy was like, you may not remember what I'm going to say, but you'll remember what I wore. Um, and it definitely worked because when I walked into the main office, the secretary's like, we remember you. You had the pink pants on. So like my, my idea worked, but I still wore a tie at that time. So being that I was 23 when I started and I looked like I could have been in eighth grade, um, I was <laughs> like, I really need to like make sure. And I love fashion. I was like, I really need to make sure that I'm wearing something that um, distinguishes me from the kids. Um, because most kids, if they dress up for like an event, they typically wear a tie and it's rare that anybody wears a bow tie. And I honestly think a bow tie is way cooler. A tie is just, uh, I can't stand a tie now, but anyway, yeah, I just wore one the first day and within the third day of school, I became the bow tie guy and people started telling me like, you're the bow tie guy. And it kind of stuck with them since then. And, um, I've only worn a tie when I wear my Christmas theme suits. Which were know. amazing, by the way. <laughs> we will have to link to that in the show notes because <laughs> those suits, oh my gosh, they make every ugly sweater look pale in comparison. Oh yeah, my holiday week is awesome. But um, fun fact is those ties get untied at the end of the day, they get retied the next year and I have to pull up a YouTube video every time. I still have no idea how to tie a tie. You don't know how to tie a tie? Nope, but I can tie a bow tie with my eyes shut. You fail. I can tie a tie. No one needs to know how to tie a tie. If you like try and bend over, like might like get in your coffee or something, a bow tie is just, it's right there with you. It's a part of you. So yeah, the bow, the bow ties are awesome. Uh, Joe was actually kind enough earlier. Actually, it was last year. He gave me uh, the one bow tie I own. It's a Superman bow tie, of course. Uh, it is a clip-on. But I recently watched a YouTube video about tying a bow tie. And one thing I learned, Joe, and hopefully you agree, the bow tie, when you tie it, does not have to be symmetrical. And that shouldn't be your goal. Because it really isn't going to be if it's a hand-tied bow tie. Yeah, I mean, after a while, you get pretty good at like just uh, wheeling and dealing. But for the most part, there's days when it just does not work. And I'm like... We're, we're rolling with this. I'm not retying this thing. Nice. So with that, we are going to talk about some of what we're listening to. But before that, and Joe, you're going to participate, oh, yeah. thankfully. Uh, but speaking of bow ties, let people know how they can connect with you and learn more from you after listening to this episode. We can connect with me via Twitter, bowtiejoe23. That's a two, three. Learn that from Chris. And my website, which will probably forever be a work in progress, um, bowtiejoe.co, that's C-O. Um, hey, no worries. All I'll the great be, websites are a work in progress. Yeah, I'll be doing posts the 1530th, and then every Tuesday I'll be recognizing um, an educator who is killing it in the game. Chris was on there. I'm waiting for AJ to fill it out, and Stacy, you'll be getting the link soon too. 
I'm the last one. I see how it is. <laughs> You're also the founder of hashtag what? Oh, that's also true too. Uh, hashtag Bowtide with capital E D. Very cool. Is there anything else? I feel like you know more about my uh, <laughs> way to connect with me than I do. <laughs> uh, your phone number? No, I'm just kidding. Don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I live here. and. <laughs> All right. So, hey, hey, Joe, thank you for taking time on a Sunday night. We know we pulled you away from some of your reading, and we're going to hold you for just a few more minutes because now we're going to talk about what we are listening to. And AJ, it's alphabetical, so go ahead. So I came across a podcast recently that uh, that has been very enjoyable to me, and it's a podcast by Daniel Pink. It's called the One Three Twenty Podcast. Uh, great podcast. Uh, I'm a big fan of Daniel Pink since I read Drive. Uh, I'm trying to keep up to date with his stuff. He does have a new book coming out. If you're at all interested, check it out. Uh, but the One Three Twenty Podcast uh, by Daniel Pink. In the episodes, he decides to take one book that has made an impression on him. And then he asks that author three key questions from the book. Um, and then he has the goal of putting it all together in, in 20 minutes. And he's, it's not a very long show, not time-wise. Obviously, it's 20 minutes. But there's only been four episodes so far. And the episodes have been great. I really got caught up on uh, one called uh, The Science of Mental Preparation. And it was a great episode as it talked about how we get motivated. And what we do to get motivated and prepared for the things around us. And it does some, he has some great examples talking about how like Stephen Colbert gets ready for his show and how athletes get ready for their games. And, and it really is a fantastic show. But my favorite was uh, the episode where everybody, uh, what, what um, title is right in front of me, and uh, what makes a great leader. So that, that episode was really good as it talked about history. And that really brought a, a passion of mine in to the idea of being a leader. And talk about Abe Lincoln and some famous people who were wonderful leaders and what they did and how we can use that in our lives to um, embody that idea of leadership. Great podcast. Check it out. The 1320 podcast. Now, I just want to make sure that I do understand this. That is the name of Daniel Pink's podcast. Daniel Pink's podcast. Cool. All right. So we'll have a link for that in the show notes out at podcastpd.com slash 22. And I'll go next. And I recently subscribed to a new podcast that further scratches the itch I have on content creation, and it is called The New Media Show. And The New Media Show is recorded live every Saturday at noon Eastern time. This is a 90-minute podcast, holded, hold, hold it, easy for me, hosted by Todd Cochran from Blueberry, which is a podcast media hosting website, and Rob Greenlee from Spreaker which is another podcasting platform that I like to recommend to people wanting to get into the game. And this podcast features the leading minds in new media and the podcasting space. So they talk about um, broadcasting events, media creation platforms, monetization, apps, devices, strategies for creating content, um, as well as publishing software and obviously some of the hardware that goes into creating great content. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes and through other avenues, I've always heard about this show and I finally decided, you know what, let me subscribe to it. Um, depending on your device and your podcatcher, you can subscribe to the audio or they also put out the video version 
of their show, which, sorry, guys, you're never going to get that from Podcast PD. Audio only. So that's mine, the new media show. Stacy, you're done fidgeting in the background. What's going on and what are you going to recommend? You noticed my fidgeting. I was looking for my phone and then I unplugged it and it fell on the ground. It was awesome. Um, let's see. What am I listening to? So I have to thank both you and AJ for your recommendation of The Art of Manliness. I know we did an entire episode of Podcast PD based on um, teacher burnout and their burnout episode. Chris, what episode was that? The episode that we did or the episode that they did? The episode that we did. That would be episode 20. Fantastic. So because one of you recommended it as part of our 12 days of podcast PD, just the art of manliness in general, I think, or was, no, there were specific procrastination was one of them. And there were a couple others. I kind of took a little bit of a dive into the art of manliness. And the episode I'm recommending is episode 162, Digital Manners and Etiquette for the Modern Man, although I think the modern woman can also listen. Um, and it's with Daniel Post-Senning. And what I really loved is that Daniel Post-Senning is um, the great, great, great grandson of Emily Post. And he talks about how Emily Post. Um, book on etiquette is not dead and he has written an entire book about digital etiquette and he talks about you know how we say thank you digitally what's correct as far as etiquette when it comes to email and texting and the length of time that we can get away with saying that we're not available when quite honestly we go around with our devices all the time although when I say I'm not available I truly mean I have put my phone down or I've disregarded it and I'm not paying attention to my phone. Um, I like to be present wherever I'm at, especially if there are other people in the room with me. But um, it was really interesting just to see that, you know, I know when I was in undergrad, speaking of like programs and being in school, when I was in undergrad, um, I was in a sorority and part of what we did was talk about etiquette and, you know, just being a good sister. And um we we had a sister who was in charge of of that particular aspect of our lives. And it's just kind of interesting to see how things have evolved and what hasn't evolved. Um, but I highly recommend that no matter who you are, whether you're male or female, you go out and you check out The Art of Manliness. This particular episode was intriguing and I downloaded. And Chris and AJ, you'll also be pr- very pleased with me because I did not go all the way back to episode one. But I've dabbled and I've like picked up different episodes that I found intriguing just based on the title. And um, so there have been others that I've listened to. And just because I know our dear listeners love to know how what my number is. Um, before AJ recommended Daniel Pink's podcast, I was at 779. So I'm really I'm like putting a big dent in my number. Now I'm at 883. Thanks a lot, AJ. Four episodes of Daniel Pink have ruined me. And then there's a new um, podcast that I'll be checking out that hopefully I will recommend in two weeks. All right. Last up. And and of course, um, look forward to more of Stacey's manly updates throughout the rest of 2018. <laughs> no manly updates. Time's up. <laughs> so Joe, uh, what podcast are you newly subscribed to or an episode that you've listened to recently that stands out to you and has helped you professionally or personally? This was one that was recommended through my doctoral program, um, through my TA, 
who suggested we check out Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. Yeah, love that one. Okay, so you're familiar with it. Um, for those of you that aren't, um, pretty much he picks an event in, uh, in from the past, an event, a person, idea um, that's overlooked or misunderstood, and just re-examines it using a different lens. And the specific um, episode I'm talking about is actually his first one, The Lady Vanishes, where talks about a painting from the late 19th century that was done and became world-renowned and what was done by a female artist. And she was not granted access to, you know, the High Rollers Club um, because she was a female. And he spoke about what it means to be, you know, the first of your kind, you know, um, in breaking down barriers, but what happens to those people because they kind of eventually just become forgotten and how, you know, the people that come after them, it's kind of, then it becomes accepted, you know, and what really stuck out to me was how he spoke about um, in Australia when they had their first prime minister, you know, the, all the backlash that she took, um, even though this was like probably six years ago and, you know, we're in the 21st century and things like that are still going on. So it was pretty cool, you know, tied it in with the times up thing and just had a, a really cool convo with the kids. So, um, so far so good. Just got to find some more time to listen. Well, that's the beauty of podcasts, time shift content, anytime, anywhere. Thank you so much for sharing, Joe. We appreciate it. Of course. Awesome. And before we head on out of here for episode 22, while we have no new feedback, uh, we are always on the lookout for new topics. So if there's something that you're interested in getting our take on, or you're interested in maybe coming on the podcast to share your passion for a topic of professional development, go to podcastpd.com slash feedback. We're going to say goodbye here, and then Stacy is going to introduce a new segment before we head out. So Stacy, tell the listeners about our new segment, but first let's say goodbye and then tell us about the segment and then we'll be out of here. All right. So we're going to say goodnight. Say goodnight, AJ. Good night, AJ. Say goodnight, Christopher. Good night, Christopher. Say goodnight, Joe. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. And now our new segment. From time to time, we're going to feature other podcasters on the show so you can hear directly from some other great podcasters. They'll tell us about their shows and why you should listen. This segment will happen as long as we have an intro to share. Jethro Jones from the Transformative Principle at transformativeprinciple.org and at Jethro Jones is our first share. If you want to reach out to him, check him out on facebook.com transformative principle. This is Jethro Jones, host of the transformative principle podcast. And I started podcasting because I looked around as a assistant principal and saw that there was not a lot of podcasts about being a principal or doing things as a principal would. And I listened to uh, Melinda Miller's and Brian Stuckey's Practical Principles podcast for a while, and then they stopped, and I felt lost. So I looked around, didn't say anything, and thought, why don't I start my own? And so I did. Now I interview educational and other leaders about how to be a transformative principal, and it's been going on for 
over four years now, and I've got over 225 episodes recorded, and it's been an amazing opportunity. And let me tell you, you can learn just about anything through those that deep archive of content. So start anywhere, and you'll definitely walk away with something beneficial. At the end of each interview, I ask one question, which is, what is one thing a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? And so the answers to that have been things that I have put into my own practice as a principal, and they are amazing. I think that is the biggest benefit that you will learn something practical and applicable from every single interview that you listen to on Transformative Principle. Thank you so much, Chris and Stacy and AJ, for uh, letting me share something about Transformative Principle, which I absolutely love. And best of luck to you who's listening and to Chris, Stacy, and AJ in the future. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJ Bianco, and I also blog at ajbianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie, and I would love it if you also checked out the House of Ed Tech podcast over on chrisnessie.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech, and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We'd also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague. And if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us. Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators, podcast by educators. For more podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. Podcast PD is a proud member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. For more great content, go to voiceed.ca. For your master's or your cert? AJ, what are you doing? My mic fell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. It's almost as good as when I unplugged mine, which is what muted the whole thing. (laughs) All right, I'll let him fix that, and then I'll come back with my answer for your question.